0: Just a little bit too much.
1: And oh, Judas <laughs> Priest!
0: You won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Twitter's only alternative and your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT.
1: And oh, Judas <laughs> Priest!
0: Back here on 88.3 point through Joshua T's after further review, recap of the college football playoff. Obviously we talked a little bit about how I believe that um bowl games should be eliminated, just go to the top sixteen of the playoff. I thought I had a reasonable argument for that. But Frank, we only are down to four teams, so that's what we have to basically talk about. What was your take on the games?
1: Okay, look. I'll just say nobody would have expected LSU to have an astronomical first half. I thought that I thought they would beat Oklahoma and take care of them, but I didn't think that they were gonna do what they did in the first half, where Joe Burrow puts up seven touchdown passes in one half, finishes with eight. Hey, as LSU, oh wait, breaking news: LSU just scored again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> now, so that really no surprises there. As for Clemson and Ohio State, the only thing I here's what I guaranteed. I guaranteed that it would not be a beatdown mm-hmm. like when they met previously. Now, when I watch it, I see LS. I see, excuse me, Ohio State jump out to a sixteen nothing lead, and I'm thinking. Jeez, this is much different this time around. But I do remember reading something on Twitter saying, they're settling for field goals in the red zone. That's going to come back and bite them in the ass. And lo and behold, it did. Clemson ends up scoring the next 21 points. Ohio State scores. And then Sunshine, Trevor Lawrence, after getting the ball back a couple series later, leads Clemson 96 yards in four plays, touchdown. Ohio State tries to drive an answer. Justin Fields throws the interception, game over. Now, point being, a lot of people were complaining about officiating and saying how bad it was and that's why Ohio State lost the game, is that the refs gave the game to Clemson, blah, blah, blah. Let me ask everyone this. Was officiating the reason why Ohio State got in the red zone four times in the game and did not score a touchdown. No. I asked a lot of my Buckeye friends the same question. They told me, "No, we should have came away with touchdowns." Now, that being said, we'll talk about the controversy. First, targeting call on Sean Wade. Now, this is a this I actually have this from the Toledo Blades website, mm. their whole Ask Anthony, Anthony Bellino, mind you, you. And here's what he had to say. Hey, on third, heard in five with the ball at the Ohio State 45-yard line. Trevor Lawrence was sacked. However, a targeting fouls call against Sean Wade and gave Clemson a first down from Ohio State's 30. Clemson scored. It was the proper application of an awful rule. Stop right there. Look, I understand people are saying the targeting rule is bad and that, and they'll say, oh, well, Sean Wade didn't maliciously try to injure Trevor Lawrence. I accept that assertion. In no way was that play. I've seen much more egregious targeting fouls than that. That should have resulted in um, a lengthy suspension and, Sean Wade, I know. When I saw it on the replay him ducking in with his head down, that's kind of when he screwed up. That was more care. That was more carelessness on his part, because Lawrence then ducked mm-hmm. at the same time and got hit. Again, I I understand. Not all hundred percent Wade's fault, but the way the rule is written. You cannot lead with the crown of your helmet and hit somebody in the head or neck area. Now, had Sean Wade kept his head up and led with his shoulder, he would have been fine. And people said, well, what if Trevor Lawrence didn't duck his head at the last second to draw the foul? Need I remind all of you Buckeye fans... Joey Bosa got tossed for doing that in the Fiesta Bowl against Notre Dame mm-hmm. a few years ago. He hit Deshaun Kaiser, led with his helmet, got it, and speared him in the chest. So pretty much the moment Sean Wade lowered his head, he had, he was in he was pretty much in trouble from the get go. Because if Lawrence doesn't duck, he ends up spearing him in the chest, and he probably gets... and. Ninety-nine percent likely that he's going to get tossed for that. So, complain about the rule all you want. I'm not saying you have to like the rule. I personally don't like it. I don't like the way it's written either. Because for one, I think you could need you need to look see was there malicious intent? Did the play, did the player who was getting hit do any sudden movement? That led to excessive head contact. I think you probably could do that. Look at that as well. Hell down the road. But the rule is written the way it's written. I don't write it. And there's a, there are other rules in sports I don't like. You know what? And the ones I officiate, I still have to enforce them. Doesn't matter how much people like them or not. You have to enforce rules as written. Was that why you lost the game? No. No. And as for the second play, when Justin Ross catches a ball, is going sideways on the field, takes four steps, Jeff Okuda knocks it loose, Jordan Fuller picks it up, touchdown. Then it gets reviewed, and... I don't know where in God's green earth there was indisputable video evidence that was said that the pass was incomplete. Was the did Justin Ross juggle the football? No. He had it in possession. He took four steps. Then Okuda knocked it loose. By rule, that's a fumble. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. But then people say, "Oh well, he has to turn up field." Or I don't care which way you go. He could have went forward, backward, left, right, jump up and down. He made a move. Running four steps. How is that not a move common to the game? And then we bring in the whole whole process of this whole process of the catch BS again, and. So, and then it was ruled. So it gets ruled it incomplete, and of course, Ohio, of course that ends up hurting Ohio State again. Not why they lost, even though I do agree that call was a fumble and it was a bad call that it was ruled incomplete, especially by replay. Mm -hmm. Hey, that was bad. But of course, Ohio State eventually does drive down the field and score, and they take the lead.
0: Mm. So, as far as the targeting call goes, I, I I think that there has to be levels with targeting. You know, almost like flagrant fouls. Is it mixed? I can
1: agree. I can agree with that too. It,
0: if it looks like it's really intent to really hurt someone, yeah, you're getting ejected out of the game. If it's because you're going it, it, it was kind of obvious. Sometimes you're going in for a tackle, and if the play, you're getting low, but the player is still tall like Lawrence, and he crouches, a lot of times your crown of your helmet probably going to hit his helmet. And if you're just out there making a regular play, I think it should be a penalty. But other than that, the player shouldn't get ejected. Was it targeting by the rule? Yes, it was. And they were going by the actual rule, and you know that you get ejected, and you have to sit a half of the next game. That's the rule, so they can't get upset about it. But I think they do need to go back and look and maybe possibly change that rule where if you're trying to tar- – one thing about targeting, maybe there should be a rule of incidental targeting and then targeting the spear or main should be, a, hey, you're out the game. Because we do see where guys do lead with their helmet. They're, not, you know, they're hitting defenseless receivers or quarterbacks just to make a message.
1: Well, the one change they did make this year is if the targeting is called on the field – And it goes to review, in order to call it, they have to say that it is confirmed. You can't say, Mm -hmm. oh, it stands as called. It's either confirmed or overturned. No saying it stands. Right. Which uh, I like that. Right. And, yeah, I do think they do need to change it like a flagrant one or flagrant two in basketball, especially ones that do look more egregious and also... Speaking of that, they did put a rule in if a player receives three targeting fouls in a season, it results in an automatic suspension.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's a good good move there. But anyways, let's continue on mm-hmm. with what Molino ended up saying. Everyone says that those two calls cost Ohio State the game. So they were down, but also... Ohio State's third drive of the second half. Down 21-16, Justin Fields throws a pick. Only the second pick he threw all year. and Ohio. But does Ohio State fold? No. Their defense stepped up and got a stop. They then got the ball back, marched out the field, takes the lead, and then 2.55 left. He got Clemson pinned at their own six-yard line, and... Then Trevor Lawrence goes all sunshine, and he hits Travis Etienne on slip screens and absolutely torches Ohio State's defense. They get the game-winning touchdown, Mm -hmm. and Ohio State still had a chance to win. Mm -hmm. But Chris Olave ended up breaking off on his route. Justin Fields throws a pick. Game over. None of those had to do with officiating. Hang Ohio State just didn't execute right, in crunch time. And also, here's another one for you, Buckeye fans. There was a stretch in that game where Ohio State did not convert on seven straight third downs. So mm. you can pretty much attribute it to no touchdowns and four red zone trips and settling for field goals. And, look, I know people say, oh, take your points. Well, play better, execute better, get touchdowns. Seven is greater than three. Right. And also, not converting on third down. That all comes down to execution. And Justin Fields throwing two picks. He made a mistake. Look, I understand Justin Fields, great player, He's not a deity. But again, you cannot make mistakes in crunch time. Right. And when you do, oh, well, you take your loss. And as our good own David, the man of God, Harris says, be better tomorrow. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, blaming officiating is a loser's mentality. Ooh. Wow, that is a message there from Frank Vashner. You think so? Yeah, it is. I see way too many fans that will say, oh, well, it's the ref's fault that our team lost. Oh, this call, these bad calls, wah, wah, wah. You didn't lose because of bad calls. Good teams play above it. Mm -hmm. I mean, huh? Hit. Hit. So. Point being winner's play above that stuff? I mean've I mean there's been times I've watched my I've watched Michigan State play and there's been calls that didn't go their way. Did I like it? No and I'm not saying you have to like it with bad call but there's a call that doesn't go your way. Nobody expects you to like it but what I do expect you to do is play above it rise above it right. mm-hmm. play the next play. Hey, same deal with same deal with any team that I've announced for or been on staff with. Yeah, call doesn't go our way. Kind of like,
0: la, like last night, though, or Friday night with our team. I mean, exactly. we didn't think the calls went our way. I mean, we knew there was a little bit of home cooking. But you still got to play through it. You can't let that happen.
1: Exactly. Well, you get – you get – So many fouls called, games being called tight. Other team goes to the free. You'll say, oh, well, it's bad. Well, don't foul. Don't put teams on the free throw line. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Play better defensively. Execute better offensively, too. Don't turn the ball over. And on defense, do your job there, too. When a shot goes out, contest it. If it goes in, okay, yeah, shake Shake the, man, the girl's hand, say nice shot. Right. And make sure you check out on defense as well. Oh, well, so you can get the rebound. Oh, it's doing It's doing little things. Play right. better. Be better tomorrow.
0: Yeah, that's true. So we'll end with that. With that segment, last segment we'll do is we got
1: 10 minutes. I'll have to hit on wild card games real quick. I have a...
0: Oh yeah, what's the wild card? Let me know. We've,
1: we've got uh, we've got our AFC games today. First one is Bills and Texans. Should be interesting. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that are leaning Bills in that one, but JJ Watt back for the Texans. He's been out with a, with a pectoral injury. Yeah, and they, they, I mean they said he would not he wouldn't return this season, and his recovery has been nothing short of a miracle. I mean, I don't I don't know how effective he'll be, but you know, getting somebody of that caliber back, I think that I think the Texans probably win, plus not really I don't really trust Josh Allen in this type of spot. Tennessee and New England, this is an interesting one. Everyone I mean, look, there have been many a times where I have written off the New England Patriots saying they're dead in the water. They're cooked. This is the end of the line. And next thing you know, they win a game 41 to 10. And Tom Brady looks like vintage Tom Brady. Well, and I'd love to have David on for this because I'd like to see if he agrees with me. All season, the Patriots look like they have been leaking oil. Mm -hmm. They're not. They haven't looked as good. And they're not, and they don't have a first round buy. Now everyone knows they've won six Super Bowls in the Belichick era. How many of those Super Bowls were won without a first round buy? You know the answer. The team has not won without a first round buy. How many Super Bowls have the Patriots won without a first round buy?
0: One. Zero. Yeah, like, oh, it, said it was either zero or one. They have— n- And they don't play too—and a lot of times when they play away from Foxboro, they don't win too much either. So they usually through their Super Bowl runs, they played at Foxboro, had the home field.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, last year they did have to go to Kansas City for the AFC Championship, and they still won that. Mm-hmm. But look, and I know I, I'm being I'm kind of being careful saying this because I don't think New England comes out of the AFC. And as soon as I say that, they end up they'll rip off three straight wins and get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And the joke will be on me and I'll look like an idiot. But to tell you the truth, I think that Tennessee's got a legit chance to beat them. They have the running game. Ryan Tannehill, I know I've said how many times on this show about his knees being made of Legos. Ryan Tannehill's probably your comeback player of the year in the NFL. Yeah, so those games
0: Buffalo Houston
1: at four thirty, Tennessee at
0: New England at eight fifteen. So i
1: Tennessee's gonna be my upset special and that's probably gonna come back and bite me.
0: I real don't quick, care. Real quick on the Sunday, we gotta get to the last segment
1: first. New him. Orleans and Minnesota. I gotta go New Orleans because Kirk Cousins always turns into a pumpkin in big games, and uh, Philadelphia and Seattle, yawn. I got, I gotta go. I gotta go Seattle because uh, th- because the Eagles are pretty much putting corpses out as wide receivers.
0: Right. What about
1: Seattle, Philadelphia? That's what I said. I said Seattle. The Eagles. You you trust in beast mode? I don't think it's beast mode that's going to be making the difference for them. It's just that the Eagles are just too beat up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Up, I think. Seattle. I don't
0: know. I mean, Carson Wentz. He might be more trying to prove something. Carson hey.
1: Wentz has nobody to throw the ball to. But he
0: got into the playoffs.
1: Exactly, because the NFC East was toilet
0: water. So what? Toilet water, no, whenever. He still carried that team. And
1: no, let me say this. It was a loaded Porta John.
0: We still carried that that team through that
1: stanky Porta John. And playing a bunch of crap teams. Mm-hmm. I think the it's going to be Seattle that wins that. Phillies just doesn't have any healthy bodies enough. Mm hmm. Even though that game's probably going to be pretty ugly, going to be kind of an ugly, low scoring game. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And and, then, as like I said, for New Orleans and Minnesota, take New Orleans, they're at the dome. I don't trust Kirk Cousins in a big spot. He seemingly turns into a pumpkin in nationally televised
0: games. Well, at night. At night. Only at night. Monday night, and, and I think Sunday night games. Usually other games, though, he steps up.
1: Yeah, I still don't. I don't trust him in a big spot. I think, mm-hmm. and plus New Orleans.
0: And oh well, yeah, we, we got to get we got one more segment, yep. Frank. And we only got five more minutes, so, so we'll we, we'll see what happens next week. Yeah, but we're gonna talk about the legacy of David Stern. He uh, passed away. That's definitely gonna be pour some liquor moments right there. It was an eighty-eight point three Deutsche after for the We had a great show. So far, last segment with the David Stern, but we talked college football playoff, the refereeing, no, the refereeing didn't cost Ohio State the game. Um, there's just some other things that happened in the game, but obviously some of the refereeing was suspect. But Ohio State lost fair and square. I mean, the referee didn't throw the interceptions either or didn't only score three field goals and three red zone possessions. And we talked a little bit of NFL playoff football. Make sure you check us out on on soundcloud and on itunes coming up next quick segment on david stern's legacy